You know when you're out with your friends and they all order beer and then you look insane when you don't want any beer? I mean, no offense to any of my friends out there, but I'm not a crazy obsessed beer drinker. I mean, once in a while, but I don't really love it. But I did recently try Bud Light Seltzer. It's not beer. It's a hard seltzer from Bud Light. Finally, there's something I can drink when everyone else is having a beer. Bud Light Seltzer's 5% alcohol, 100 calories, and it comes in four flavors. There's strawberry, lemon lime, mango, and my go-to black cherry. They're all super refreshing and perfect when I want something with a little more kick than just sparkling water. You know what I'm saying? Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Welcome to the show. Uh-huh. How about this? I was reading National Geographic the other day. Smart like that. You're very, you're very eclectic in your reading, I must I admit. am. I, I do. I, I mix it up. I like to be very, I like to appear, like I like to take it with me to the gym or especially when I'm on the East Coast and I sit on the subway and I'll have like The Economist or something. I feel like it makes me look. Do you chat, chat to people about these topics? Like, do you just pick you. up? A... <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting, I'm talking to you, aren't I? I'm just sitting here talking to you on the show. Yeah, kind of. I do. With my friends. I don't know when you get time to read like you read. I read a lot, actually. I know you do. And, yeah, I, and it blows my mind with your schedule. It kind of it kind of boggles my mind how much you read. I read. I have designated times. I read first thing in the morning. So it's like I first get up. I have my little breakfast, my my tea, my coffee, whatever. And I'll, I'll do my reading. And um, But usually with that, it's like I have my... My work, I usually, I read a lot for work. So I'll have like my set aside magazines that have come in. It's like, you know, my Nat Geo, my whatever, my whole list of stuff that I have to read. And it's like work every day. I read at least like I get through my hour in the morning of stuff. And then before bed, I do a lot of reading. It helps me sleep. But but yeah, no, it's just part of work. I do it for, anyway, whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I was reading, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I was reading my National Geographic. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole article in there about, you know, how the population in the year 2050 is going to go to 9 billion and, uh, you know, how all the rhetoric of the Monsantos of the world, these companies that you know produce these monoculture crops, these GMO crops like corn and soy and wheat, how they're like, how are we going to feed the world? And one, it's a long article, so I'll, I'll try to just focus on one point that I found was fascinating is the first thing they said was, before we start destroying our planet and then polluting our uh, biology, having like biological pollution with these genetically modified crops, why don't we stop wasting food? And I really had no idea how much food we waste. And when I stopped and thought about it, I realized that I'm incredibly guilty of this myself. And this one, though, listen to this. Before your food even reaches your table, it says between field and fork, says the Stockholm International Water Institute. I don't know why it's Water Institute, but nevertheless, up to half the world's harvest disappears between field and fork. Goes bad. It goes rots. Goes it goes bad. It wastes. This is about waste reduction. It wastes. Waste diversion. Basically, and what they're trying to do is to get them to essentially go more local so the food doesn't go bad getting from one location to the next location. 
basically what it's about is getting you oh, know, I getting the it transit food where... well part of it that is yeah. a, a part of the equation but think about it if you're getting a crop from peru over in australia like australia my friend just came in from australia the other day and they had had i guess a bunch of storms that wiped out their banana trees so they're like importing them from tropical parts of the globe that are thousands and thousands of miles away and she said oh like a bushel of bananas is 15 american dollars because she saw the bananas on my counter and of course i was giving them to buzz <laughs> My horse loves bananas. Oh, she's like, where she... are you going with that bushel of bananas? I was like, oh, but it's his favorite treat. She's like, you're feeding those bananas to balls? But anyway, my point, I digress. My point is. Yeah, please. That Australian sorry. accent was really something on fire. My, my friend Danny's going to be pissed about that. Whatever. The reality is. Yes. yes. Is uh, that's that's part of it. Because we're not, we're not living in sustainable ways. Um, and this is a big part for the eat local movement is not only is it better for the environment, but look at how much food we would be saving. Is that crazy? But then yeah. here's the best part. I'm going to give you our statistics in America for our own personal accountability, how much food we waste. As we sit here and bitch, you know, we don't have the money, can't afford healthy food. Wait until I show you how much food you are, in fact, wasting. Ready for this one? And I know you're guilty of it. Don't tell me. It's not me. Bull. Fresh fruit. We buy... 77 pounds a year of fresh fruit. This is obviously on the average because right. I know I buy more than that because I'm healthy. So we buy 77 pounds. Guess how much we throw away because it goes bad. 22 pounds. 22 pounds. Wow. About a little under a third of that food that we've bought, we throw away. Throw away. Fresh vegetables. 131 pounds we buy a year. Throw away 39 pounds. Yeah, I'm I'm totally I, I'm guilty of that. Oh, because it goes bad. Yeah, it goes bad. You don't get around to cooking it. You have you know you've got the best intentions when you buy it. Yeah. I mean, I, oh my God, part of the problem, and I, I got to figure this one out. Like we made we made burgers the other night, and we had to buy. You know, you have to buy a head of lettuce. Right. You have to buy a, you know, we bought, unfortunately, because I got the organic tomatoes that had like three tomatoes in the little thing. We had to buy a packet of cheese. And by the time all was said and done, I'm like, we've got three quarters of a head of lettuce that I know we're not going to be home this week to finish. And a couple of tomatoes and this and that and the other. You know what I did? I just packed it all up and I gave it to my housekeeper. And yeah, I, it, which all are, the time. Brilliant. If you got someone to your right. Yeah, if you yeah. got, if you can take it into work for your coworkers, if you're not going to eat it. I mean, because it's just, when you just start thinking about spreading the wealth, like if they brought in their leftovers and you brought in your leftovers. And because I think about all the food that I do waste and maybe you could do something with the women in the office or the men in the office or whatever, where it's like, OK, um, you know, I'll bring in the leftovers on Monday. You bring in the leftovers on Tuesday. I just think how much food we make and don't eat because it's leftover or there aren't enough people in the family or even like dairy, milk, 168 pounds of milk a year, 34 pounds of it goes bad. We don't drink it. Yeah. Maybe we could spend a little time planning our meals better as well. Because you're not only, I'm not just talking to you about eating the world or being more sustainable or being healthier. I'm also talking about your dollars. How much money is that? How much money is 22 pounds of fruit, 39 pounds of vegetables, 34 pounds of milk, 36 pounds of grain get thrown away? We buy 173 pounds, 36 get thrown away. Just chicken alone, we buy 70 pounds of poultry and we waste 27 pounds a year. How much money is that in groceries? So a couple of things. First of all, 
Don't go to the market when you're hungry. I do this all the time. It is the worst, stupidest thing you could do because you end up going, yeah, that looks good. Ooh, I'm going to make that. Ooh, I want that. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. And you never get around to making it. Do you have your meals planned when you're buying the food? Don't buy food that you don't have planned. Like, I'm going to cook this dish. It requires these ingredients. Don't buy it. Don't buy it unless you have a time that you're planning on making the food. Plan it out and buy the amount that you can buy. This is why I love a farmer's market because not only is it yeah. local, but you can buy, you know, three carrots or two peaches or, you know, you know, you don't have to buy exactly. it in bulk like that. So plan your meals for the week ahead of time. Then when you go to the market, you're like, I need this much of this, this much of that. And I'm going to make these these dishes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. So that you're saving money and you're being more efficient. And again, don't go into the supermarket hungry because you're going to buy everything on the shelf. And it wastes. I mean, I buy, like I go into the market and I buy five different breakfast foods. And do you know what I eat every morning? The same thing. But I think I might want my Ezekiel muffin with my low-fat cream cheese. I might want the organic yogurt with the berries. I might want the cereal in the milk. I might want my Nature's Path waffles. And I end up getting in a kick where I have just the waffles and all that other stuff ends up going bad. I don't eat it. So it's the menta- So it's your mentality of I might. I might want I it. Might. I better have it. I should be prepared. But as a fat girl, and I, I still consider myself a fat girl because I have all the inner head workings of a fat girl. The best thing that ever happened to me, which might now be the worst thing that ever happened to me, was my composter. Because then I didn't feel so bad about throwing food away because I was exactly. like, I'm composting, I'm composting. You're going back in the, you know, into the earth and I put it on my garden and blah, blah, blah. But... I don't know now that that's such a good thing because it's like it has made me feel better about being irresponsible with the way that I purchase and consume my food. See, that's the way I've made myself feel better. And now you just made me feel worse because I justify, I go, oh, I'm going to put it in my comp because I'm a big composter. Yeah. Think, but, but you're right. It's still wasting. I feel like we are just, I mean, honestly, when you think about it, we really don't have the financial resources to be wasting this kind of food. And here's another argument. If you are wasting food, if you can foresee you're going to waste food, give it away. Give it to somebody. Give it to the person next door. Give it to the give it to the make you know, give it to the homeless guy on the street. Give it to your housekeeper. Give it to your coworker, whatever it might be. Try not to waste it. But again, more importantly, before you start buying into all this rhetoric about feeding the world, let's stop wasting a third of the food that we buy and 50% of the natural food that we grow. So there, just just off the top, off the top, without ever talking about genetically modified crops, let's focus on this 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 issue. <laughs> this <laughs> shut up. This take a break. This issue. Shashara. Shalala. Hey, you know who's coming? Shanana. <laughs> before you before, before you dig it any deeper. Purtle <laughs> Potter. Purtle <laughs> 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 Schmatter. What? <laughs> she's never gonna come on again after I. No, no, she's not gonna come on again. But you're her name. Cut that. Yeah. Righty. <laughs> Ready to move on. Myrtle Potter's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lipstick junkie debunked the all in one. She came back wearing a smile. Looking like someone broke me that wanted to unplug me. No one here is on trial. All right, it is time for Myrtle. We haven't talked to her for a while. You're excited. I am. I love Myrtle segments. Oh, boy. Yeah, they scare the cripes out of me. 
But it's good because Janice and I always take notes and we, we I know we implement it. It actually We're makes like a, a luck of a little busy beaver right now. But it makes a huge difference. Yeah. What are we talking about? Is Myrtle on? Myrtle's here. She's Myrtle, ready. I'm here. Hey, ladies. Hi, buddy. What? All right. What are we talking about today? We're talking about staying safe with your medications, Jillian. Oh, this is such a serious topic. It's remarkable. I can't tell you, by the way, how many people I know personally, including yourself, that have had incidents with taking the wrong dose, the wrong drug, uh, at the wrong time, and it has been nearly life-threatening. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, do you know that at least one death occurs every day? What? From someone taking the wrong medication or simply having a medication error. And so since 40% of adults take at least four or more meds a day, this is something everybody needs to get serious about and we all need to be careful with. Oh, wow. I actually had no idea. That's terrifying. Well, we, the way you, you, you sort of manage the fear is to get your arms around the facts and arm yourself and get your power and and get yourself behind your work that you need to do to stay on track. Janice just uh, put this this wow fact sheet you sent over uh, in front of me. Yeah. So, what? It, okay, wait a minute here. What is this about $3.5 billion in costs for lost wages and productivity? What is that? Yes. So, what, what often happens, Jillian, when patients take their medicines is... It's, they make mistakes, and mistakes are very easy. Either they, don't, either they don't take them the right way, they take too much, they take them with things they're not supposed to take them with. Mm. And so all of these mishaps really do cost us all a great deal of money because when you get sick from not having taken your meds right, you can't go to work. You can't get your kids into school. You can't do the things that you're supposed to do as a mom. So it really is very disruptive. But probably what's even more frightening than that is the potential things that can happen with your health. Right. And so given that we know that uh, medication errors are large, mm-hmm. huge numbers in terms of errors, they've surged to more than 50%. Um, It just means that we need to be paying more attention to it, especially since so many of us are taking medications for whatever reason. You have here four in ten adults take four or more medications a day. A day. And that doesn't include over-the-counter medications, vitamins, or supplements. That doesn't include over-the-counter meds. So whether or not you're taking a pill for your blood pressure or your postmenopausal, you're taking hormone replacement therapy or, you know, you twisted your knee and your doctor gave you a med to get the swelling down in your knee, the average is, you know, more than four. So this really is an issue that touches a lot of people. Okay. And I personally have been through a horrific situation with medication where I happened to develop an allergic reaction to a medication. It literally almost killed me, caused me to have total kidney failure. And at 46, I almost lost my life. So as a part of my effort to really help consumers navigate the healthcare system, I think this topic around medication is really very important. So hit me, buddy. What do we, you give me uh, my prescriptions for managing this. Literally, I find that ironic, the prescriptions to deal with your prescriptions. Exactly. Yeah, but uh, so, all right. I'm so, sufficiently so we're worried. we're going to go through five prescriptions to help you manage your prescriptions. So number one, 
get to know your pharmacist. You know, first of all, choose one that's in a convenient location for you, mm. that you believe will provide you the services that you need because this person is going to be your partner in your care. Really? They're going to be the one to check your medications to make sure you're not having drug interactions. Really? Absolutely. I always thought your doctor was supposed to do this. Is no, your pharmacist? Doctors, the doctors are our first point of defense. Okay. But your pharmacist is really an even more important point of point of defense. Okay. Your pharmacist will tell you if your drugs will interact. Okay. Your pharmacist will also tell you if a medication you're taking interferes with food that you're taking. There are a couple of high blood pressure medications and allergy medications that actually don't work if you take them with grapefruit or grapefruit juice. Wow. So stay friendly with your pharmacist. Get to know their names. Understand the hours that they're open and only go to one pharmacy or pharmacy chain. Oh, my God. Do you realize I go to, you know, depending on where I am, whichever one is closer, I'll just call my assistant and say, I'm here. Have her call it into there's a pharmacy at this building. Like, we don't okay. ever. Okay, my friend. So this is, this is the reason why um, I would love to see you change your approach. Pharmacies that are connected, and I don't have any. I don't have any preference whether it's a Walgreens, a CVS, or a Dwayne Reed. Right. Just choose one okay. because they have your records on file, and they will know exactly what other medications you're taking. If you're going to one local pharmacy here and you switch to a CVS in two weeks, and then you switch to your Safeway pharmacy in another week. You can easily see how your prescriptions could be sitting in five different places. Right. And that safety net that you're counting on for a pharmacist to tell if your new medication is going to react with something else you're taking, that safety net is gone. Got it. So the biggest thing everyone can do is to stick with one place. If you don't like the place you're at, switch up. Got to it. To get all your medications and your prescriptions in one location. Got it. Okay. The next thing um, I encourage people to do, and we've talked about this a little bit, but record, record, record. Write down everything that you're taking. It's so simple. Take a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be fancy. Write down your drugs. Write down your, your, your supplements. Write down the over-the-counter drugs. Tuck them in your pocket and make absolutely certain that if you believe that anything you're taking is causing you to feel badly, report that to your physician right away and be as specific as you can. You know, Monday night at 8 o'clock, I started to feel nauseous. And I had taken the medication three hours before. Be very specific so you can help your doctor be a detective. That's so clever. I have to say, this is is so random, but a couple years ago, I started to get this little, like, little rash, like little red dots around my eyes. And I could not figure out what it was. And my, I went to my dermatologist, and he's like, well, it's stress-induced rosacea. I was like, what? It's what? And I was saying, like, I feel, sometimes I feel sick to my stomach. And, uh, you know, I, and then it's like, and then it comes out. And I get it across my eyes. Turns out that after eliminating all of this crap, I could not figure out what it was. I went away on vacation and didn't take my vitamins, mm. and it went away, and it was this vitamin B supplement I was taking that was giving me this crazy reaction across my face. Mm-mm-mm. And I, it, I had no idea. I never thought for a second it could be anything that I was taking. Mm-hmm. 
Anything that I was supplementing, I thought, like, I've got an ulcer. Because granted, Biggest Loser was making me miserable enough to give me an ulcer. But <laughs> <laughs> swear well, we to God. But... Loser, and we loved you on The Biggest oh, Loser. Oh, thank but you, here's buddy. Here's the thing, Jillian. The great thing about what you learned is you use your own deductive reasoning to figure out that, no, this was not stress-induced. Right. You know, you you know, you have high energy, but high energy does not necessarily mean stress. But also, it's very likely that the B12 you were taking was uh, formulated with things in it that you were allergic to. Right. And you could easily take another brand of B12 that was formulated differently and be absolutely fine. I've been scared ever since. So now I eat like, so I started incorporating like grass-fed beef once a month because I stopped taking my B. I will, I will try a different, you know what, that's genius. I'll try a different kind of B. But it's amazing that even with supplements, it can happen, not just medications. Absolutely. It's rare that you see someone who is actually allergic to a vitamin because yeah. vitamins are natural substances that occur in our food. But it is, wouldn't be unusual to find that whatever powder they were using to form the pill, mm. for example, okay. has other stuff in it that you might have been allergic to. Wow. Thank you. All right. So be, so be a reporter. Track. Write down everything that you're taking. You always told me um, that we should also have that in case we get in an accident. Totally. So like if, if the paramedic comes, they, they can see, okay, she's on X, Y, and Z, so it won't interact with these other drugs. But in addition, keep track of what you're taking and how your body's responding to it yes okay absolutely if you're having trouble if you're having trouble keep track of it so that you can report it to your doctor and I would report any any adverse reaction to a medication early as soon as you see the symptoms call your doctor and talk about it um, the worst that'll happen is he'll tell you oh that happens to just about everybody and it'll pass in a few days or it happens to a lot of people and it won't pass, but the benefits of the medication for you are so great, let's see if you can tolerate it. Right. But you don't want to be second-guessing when you think you're having a reaction to a medication. Got it. Okay. The next thing I really want to encourage people to do is be clear when a physician gives you a medication. So many mistakes occur because the patient heard one thing and the physician said something else. So there are three points of checking. There's number one when you get your prescription. Make sure you heard the doctors, uh, heard the doctor right and make sure what he wrote down is what he said. You know, drugs sound the same like Flomax and Flovent. Yes. Celebrex and Cerebrex. So close. Make sure you know what you've been given what you are being treated for, the dosage strength that you're being given, and how often you're supposed to take it. And make sure that's exactly what's been written on that prescription form. Okay. I recently had a situation where I had a prescription for myself because I have ongoing sinus problems uh, during allergy season. And I took a prescription into the, to the pharmacist, and what the pharmacist gave me back in no way mirrored what I knew the doctor had told me I was being given. Really? And so after stand, getting, you know, you know, you get your prescription, you get back to the back of the line, and you get back up front. By the time I got back up front to tell the pharmacist that I think there had been a mistake, they actually verified that, in fact, they had made a mistake. So Oof. here's the other thing that you should be aware of. The number of prescriptions written in the past decade has doubled, but yet the numbers of pharmacists have not doubled. 
So pharmacists are human. They make mistakes. Check your doctor. Check your pharmacist. That, you know something? That goes back to the, I think we are so trusting in, in all the worst ways. And I, I was talking to Susie Orman. I know this seems unrelated, but it was about money and how, how we got into this mess. And she's like, we were too trusting. Mm-hmm. If they told us we could afford the house, we believed it. We mm-hmm. didn't stop and get proactive and go, can I actually afford this? When I look at my finances, can I make this work? It's like, I never look at to see what they give me. I trust them. I never go, is this my prescription for blah, blah, blah? I just think, like, they know what they're doing. I don't have the time for this. To a certain extent, it's, it's just I'm being lazy. Uh, and it, well, no, I don't think, God, no, the last thing anybody would ever describe you is as lazy, my dear. But oh, thank you. <laughs> the system, the, the healthcare system is complicated, and the system has its stresses, and there's just one really important fact. And just like Susie said about finances and how we have to get more involved and take more of a leadership role in what happens with us, the same is absolutely true about healthcare. Yeah. We have yeah. to step up front, we have to be leading, and you have to just think about it as being your power now. You have to take your power, you have to use it. You've got to be proactive. Because um, every set of eyes on this, there just can't be too many. Okay. That's such good advice. I mean, I, I that's great. I tell people, it's like you got to be proactive with everything in your life. Why would this be any different? That's exactly right. Right. Okay. That's exactly right. The other thing that, you know, the fourth prescription I'd like to share with everybody is how important it is that uh, that you don't play doctor. <laughs> now, what do, we, what do I mean when I say play doctor? This is WebMD, I think, really hurt a lot of people because it's like oh they're looking God. up symptoms online, you know, and trying to diagnose themselves. Is that what you mean? Because I, I know I've been well, guilty of doing I think, that. I think, I, I think self-diagnosing is, 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 uh, is not, not good. I'm not a doctor. You know, yeah. I know what I do really well. But I also know that there are reasons why, pe- you know, there's reasons why people went to medical school. Yeah. Because they're supposed That's to right. learn how to do this. Yeah. But 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 I also see um, see people in my community in the MyrtlePotter.com community do little things um, for various reasons. They decide they're feeling better, so they'll just cut their dose in half. Oh, yeah. I see people do this with antidepressants, and it makes them suicidal. Yes. I'm like, you cannot you, do you, that You can't that way. do that. Yeah. Or, or you, you get into a financial crunch, and you decide you're just going to take the medicine every other day. Yes. So, yes. you know, there, there are generally very good reasons why people are looking to try to make a change. But instead of you trying to work that through yourself and playing doctor, call your doctor. Make your doctor do the work. Ask your doctor what he or she should do, he he or she can do for you. If the medication is getting too expensive, maybe the doctor can give you some samples from his office that will help defray some of the cost. Maybe there are other special programs that the pharmaceutical company will have that will support you in reducing your cost. But don't play doctor with your medications. It's just too dangerous. I, I can't tell you how many people I know have done that. I've even seen contestants on The Biggest Loser would do it, and we wouldn't know they'd done it. 
they'd feel okay and they would stop taking like their blood pressure medication and yeah. we wouldn't know they'd done it until suddenly they'd be damn near passing out on the treadmill and yeah. my medic would be like uh what's happening and they would just be like oh, i felt fine i stopped taking it Dude, that's uh, amazing you've seen this in person yeah and it, you know even even our former president bill clinton he was he he had clogged arteries he was put on a cholesterol lowering medication and he stopped taking his medication. Why? Because he said he felt better. He didn't yeah. think he needed it. Yeah. Well, and even our president's not a doctor. Our former president's not a doctor. So let your doctors do their job. That's, that's good advice. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Okay. And then lastly, and this is just really simple, just follow the directions. Look, you know, get familiar with what your pills look like. If you're, if you're going to a pharmacy and the pharmacy gives you a pill that looks different from what you have been typically taking, question the pharmacy. Now, here's something that's very important. Pharmacies use generic drugs, and generic drugs, I believe, I, I trust the generic drug system. They are generally much less expensive than mm. a branded drug when generics are available. Right. But pharmacies will oftentimes get different generic drugs from different sources. And the different sources can produce different-looking pills. So don't let a different pill alarm you, but do make it um, prompt you to ask your pharmacy, the, your pharmacist, the question: Is this the same medication that I've been given? Got but it. it's just from a different source. Okay. Wow. This is this has been a great segment. Well, they all are with you, but I gotta say, like, I think I've been guilty of every single one of these things, <laughs> which well, pisses I me off. Confess, I gotta confess, this one was an easy thing to do because easy one to do because I've been guilty of all of them. Yeah. Every single one. And the last thing I want to leave all the listeners with, Jillian, is don't take your medication in the dark. You know, don't don't have your bedside stand filled with your four or five prescriptions, and in the middle of the night, you feeling around thinking you know which bottle is the round bottle versus which is the round tall bottle. If you're taking medicine in the middle of the night, turn the light on yeah. so you're absolutely certain you know what you're taking. I can't believe it. I've done that too. Isn't that something? It's just you never well, think I, of that. When I was on thyroid medication before I got off my thyroid medication, you have to take it when you haven't eaten for a while. Yeah. So I would like I'd lay in bed and like wait and blah blah blah, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm tired. I'm gonna take it. But it, I'd have my other supplements up there as well because it's like I, I had to take my MSM glucosamine for my hair and my joints. Like I, oh no, Myrtle. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Thank you so much, buddy. Where can people find you? They can find me at www.myrtlepotter.com. You can also find me on Facebook. If you look up Myrtle Potter, your trusted voice in healthcare, I've got a great Facebook page where people can get lots of information, free tips, great resources. And, of course, I'm always grateful if people follow me on Twitter. And my Twitter name is Myrtle Potter. Thank you so much, pal. I appreciate it. It's been a, what a great segment. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And one last thing, Jillian. Yeah. I, I believe I'm set up to be on the Today Show on August the 4th during oh. the 8 a.m. hour where we're going to be talking about how to manage the hassle of insurance in your doctor's office.
Excellent. In the 8 a.m. hour? 8 a.m. hour. You bitch. <laughs> I can't even get on in the 8 a.m. hour. I'm feeling your love. God damn it. <laughs> I'm feeling your love. Oh, Lord. All right. Knock it out of the park. I'll be watching. Okay, sweet. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. I can't get on the today. How many years did I spend on that bloody network? And not once would they give me a hit in the 8 o'clock hour. Well, well, don't well me. Well, I have no answer for you. Oh, Lord. I have no Fine. Answer. Now what? Now we can we can talk to some people. All right, I'm ready. Okay, we got Joan waiting on the line for you. Joan, I'm ready. Joan, what's Hi, going Joan. on? What's up? How are you? I'm good. Good. Um, my question is about boundaries, okay? Oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, um, I come from a very abusive childhood, so I have boundaries with my mother mm. in place, whose health has now deteriorated. Um, she has had strokes and dementia. Ugh. And my older brother, who's like 20 years older than me, feels I'll regret this decision when I'm his age. And oh. realistically, she might not be around because she'd be in her 90s at that point. Um, but now I'm fine with my boundaries, but I feel like I need to set boundaries with him. Oh. But he's really the only family I have. But with my mom, I don't really feel uh-huh. – I'm not giving up a nurturing mother. Uh-huh. I get this. Okay. So hold I, on. I have a – Let me recap okay. really quickly. So we have a sick mom. Brother's older. Let me guess. Right. He, he's taking care of the sick mom. No. I used to be – I went from being the abused kid to the caregiver. Uh-huh. And who's taking care of her now? Um, my cousins took her out of the nursing home. Okay. And what's he doing? Is he taking care of her? No. No. Uh-huh. Okay. And you've decided that for your own well-being, you don't want to take care of her anymore. I don't want to be involved in any of the decisions regarding Gotcha. Right. Okay. And he is mad at you because he wants you to do it. I wouldn't say he's mad, but I think it puts a strain on his relationship because he chooses to be involved if I'm not. Oh, right. That's my and, point. So when you're not doing right. it, he has to do it. Right? Well, I'm not making him do it. Right? No, you're not, but in his mind. Correct. Right. Okay. So, uh, first of all, if you choose not to be involved uh, with your mother's care or whatever it might be, that's your choice, buddy. Period. End of conversation. And I'm glad that you say that you've kind of resigned yourself to that. And I, I got to tell you, I have had similar conversations with my therapist. My father is not sick. Um, he's not sick, but I've often wondered what would happen if he became sick. And I got to tell you, I would not get involved. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I just said like, no, I'm not, you know, I have two very much younger siblings. I've done my part in raising them and supporting them. And I would not I'd be like, he's, he's, he's all you. If you guys want to get involved with him, that is the choice you're going to make. I choose not to stay, not to get involved with him because he is such a toxic individual. And it is a choice that I've made and I've done my work on it in therapy. And I've decided that it's the healthiest thing for me to do. Now, with that said, if one of my younger siblings was like, you got to, you know, again, we're not here yet. But if, if that had happened and one of my siblings was like, you got to take care of dad, blah, 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 blah. I would simply say, I love you very much. I've been very supportive of you in your life, 
but this is something that I am not going to get involved with, and I have reconciled it within myself, and if, you know what, God forbid, I do regret this one day, I'll live with it. I will contend with it. It'll be my cross to bear, if in fact it is a cross to bear. That's exactly the words I told him. And? The conversation keeps coming up. It's like every time we have a a call, the conversation will always come back, and like this time, I normally visit them when I would go to the Get Radical conference because he lives in Baltimore. Mm. But this year, I just I didn't even have like the energy to put into it. Yeah, because you didn't want to have the fight. I get it. Okay, so then, sweetheart, here's the thing. Let's look at this for what it is. He doesn't want to deal with it either. And he knows that if you're dealing with it, he doesn't have to deal with it. And that's the truth. Right. And I often see this pattern with kids whose, you know, siblings whose parents have become sick or they have to take care. It's like, you know, they turn around and they say, uh, you know, well, I'm the one that gets stuck with it. And my other siblings run off and they do whatever they want and I get stuck with it. And it's just, it's like, it breeds a ton of resentment about, about, amongst the siblings. I've heard this from many people, from very powerful people in the world who you wouldn't believe you'd be having those conversations with to average Joes like you and me who have those conversations. And the reality is this, if he wants to take care of her, he can take care of her. If he doesn't want to take care of her, he doesn't want to take care of her. But tell him, that whatever he's processing within himself, whether he doesn't want to deal with it and, or he feels guilty for not dealing with it or he doesn't want to deal with it all, that it's his choice and it's his decision. And that you have chosen to opt out. And then I would say, look, I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. But this is starting to really damage our relationship. And I'm starting to avoid you because you're not respecting my boundaries. Oprah said something once. I wish I remembered it exactly. I've heard it quoted back to me. And it was something about... If you say no and people don't respect you saying no, it's it's a violation. And I can't remember exactly what she said. I don't know if she said it was like a rape or a violation or it's some. But her point was that is a very significant boundary you set when you say no. Mm. And if people in your life don't respect that, they are violating you and you should act accordingly. And I would basically say. I love you. I want you in my life. This conversation is starting to really erode and degrade our relationship. I'm not going to engage in it anymore. And I really hope that you'll find a way to respect my boundaries as I've respected yours. You can make the decisions you want. You can do whatever you want. I respect your decisions. I respect the way you live your life. I really hope that you would find the ability to do that for me. And, you know, ask yourself if your relationship with your sister is worth throwing away over this. Because this is your issue to reconcile, not mine. I've done my work. I don't need you telling me how to live my life. As much as I love you, I'm not asking for your help or your advice or your feedback here. This is about you feeling pissed because you're shouldered with it and you have to make those decisions for yourself. Don't blame them on me. Don't put them on me. And then the next time, and just say I love you, but the next time you bring this up, I'm just going to hang up the phone. And the next time he brings it up, hang up the phone. And then the next time it's like you go, if you go and you visit and he starts again, I don't know if you've got nieces or nephews, kiss him goodbye, tell him you love him, give his wife a big hug and just say, I love you, not going to do this with you. Call me when you want to talk about something else. Bye. Okay. Shut him down. Shut him down and force him to look at himself because this is about him. This is not about you. Okay. Do you understand? I understand. But can I ask this? Yes. Is, Is there a fine line between... Setting your boundaries and maybe putting walls back up? Yes. Uh, Setting your boundaries means that you're willing to engage in a healthy relationship. 
And when you feel okay. a, the relationship crossing over where you start to feel violated, that's when you establish a boundary. A wall is when you have no relationship, when you emotionally okay. discon- disconnect completely. Now, there are times when the relationship is so toxic that they become the same thing, that you disengage entirely, like you've chosen to do with your mother and I've chosen to do with my father. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, it's like, uh, do I have a wall? Well, yeah, because I find that I'm much healthier with that wall. Then I, you know what I, you know what I mean? So if, if you feel like you're shutting people out because he's disappointed you and you've now shut him out and you're throwing away the baby with the bathwater, that's where communication comes into play. That's where you say, look, I'm starting to shut you out. I'm starting to avoid you because I feel like you're stepping on my boundaries. Stop doing that. It's pissing me off and it makes me not want to hang out with you. Do you understand? And you keep, you keep working at it. And then if he doesn't, but sweetie, if he starts to continuously disrespect you and you continuously feel violated, well, that's when a wall becomes your boundary. And that's a real shame. Okay. So you work on it. You communicate. You, you focus on the good in the relationship with him because it doesn't sound like you throw this rule. He doesn't sound like a bad guy. He's just not doing his own work. No. So right. you emphasize the parts of him that you love. And the minute he goes to a place where you feel violated, shut it down. Walk away. Come back to it later. Okay. Okay? All right. All right, buddy. Good luck with all this. I'm sorry you're going through this. That's okay. I'm going to Africa in September. <gasps> I talked to you about that at the conference. Oh, but good. Right. I... So. Oh, that's excellent. You're um, going to have the best time. So very, yeah. It's a mission trip, but um, we get to go on safari as well, too. So Heaven. But there's no rapids. There's no rapids on, when we're going in an actual boat. There's no Zambezi? You're not going to Zambia? No, we're going on the Nile. We're going, I'm going to Uganda, and we're going to, we take a boat ride on the Nile. Excellent. So and it's an actual boat and no rapids. No rapids, yeah. I, 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 for those of you who don't know what she's talking about, I had a near-death experience on the Zambezi. Yeah, it was kind of, it's a whole different, it's a whole nother show right okay. there. <laughs> whole nother show. Whole, Mouse was with me and um, is to this day has not forgiven me for it. It was quite, quite terrifying. If you go on Google and Google the 10 most dangerous vacations in the world, rafting the Zambezi is right up there. Yeah. We didn't know that, though. We thought we were going on, like, a riverboat cruise <laughs> with daiquiris and well, shit. And it's like, like showboat? I swear to God. I thought that, you know, I was like, they put it in our little travel itinerary, and I thought it was like, you know, like like Disney World, like the Jungle Boat Cruise, and I was going to get a little cocktail with an umbrella, and, you know, suddenly as we're like hiking into this gorge uh, below Victoria Falls, Heidi was like, um... This seems treacherous, like a ra- like a raft raft. And I was like, no. And sure enough, we ended up in a raft raft, braving rapids that were like level five and six rapids, which is like, imagine you've never skied before and getting on a double black diamond, if there even is such a thing, ski jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I literally... It was it was it was just awful. We both got tossed out and thought we were gonna die, and it was the worst thing ever. It really was. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Good to know that you are not rafting, <laughs> yeah, Joan. So no. well, they Joan. said it's a boat ride, so don't worry. All right, pal. Just make call up ahead of time and go. Do you have umbrellas in your cocktails? If not, I will not be coming. That's a good way to really well, it's vet that, it. It's not that kind of mission trip. You never know. But, uh, There's always room for fun. Well. Yeah. There's always All room right, for umbrella you. drinks. That's true. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a great day.
you too. Bye. Kylie waiting for you on the line. Kylie, what's going on? Hi, Jillian. Hi. All right. Well, I have kind of a two-part longest question for you. Excellent. All right. So I am joining the Peace Corps. Cool. And I am leaving in February. Wow. Okay. And so I just kind of, I mean, there's a lot of things that concern me. I'm not going to lie. But one of them. (laughs) Yeah. The Peace Corps is pretty heavy duty. And um, the amazing thing about the Peace Corps, when I was a kid, I had wanted to join the Peace Corps, and they're like, you don't qualify for the Peace Corps. (laughs) No, you got, they take like the cream of the crop. Seriously. Kylie's a a rock star. You and I wouldn't even get get in the door, Janice. Well, I know (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) Okay, so Kylie's leaving in February for the Peace Corps. Go on. Yeah, and so I'm just concerned. I mean, I know I'm walking into a situation where I won't have control over a lot of things, and I'm (laughs) fine with that. I'm signing up for that, but... I'm concerned about maintaining my weight and maintaining my level of fitness, which I've just worked really hard to get to both of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I don't want to let that get in the way of enjoying this new experience and adventure. Um, I get have it. any advice about any of that. Okay, tell me, when you say you've worked really hard to get into shape, what did, give me some sort of frame of reference. Did you lose 50 pounds? Are you just, did you just, were you always fit but you ran a marathon like what does that mean to me just give me some idea of where you're at sure I um always overweight grew up overweight mm. I've from my highest weight I've lost about 95 pounds wow congratulations um, you know there's still the last 10 that I would love to lose but I'm healthy and fit and I ran a half marathon just in May and um I've really come to enjoy exercise and I'm addicted to spin class and throw in the occasional DVD and yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so let me get this straight. So you've, you've grew up heavy, you lost uh-huh. weight and you feel yeah. for the first time, like you've really got a handle on it. Yeah. And now you're leaving to go into the Peace Corps in February yeah. where, you know, do you know where you're going by the way? Um, I'm going somewhere in Central or South America, mm. but that's as specific as I know right now. Okay. So now you're going to another country where you're not going to be able to, like, buy your, you know, your whole grain your whole cereal grains. at the store. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Your organic, what have you. Yeah. Uh, and there's not going to be a 24-hour fitness down the road or whatever mm-hmm. gym you may belong to. Yeah. Um, and I can see why this would be stressful for you because it's obviously something that you've struggled with your entire life and for the first time you feel like you've got a control over it you have a little program and now you're putting yourself in an environment where all the tools that you've utilized to get where you need to be are not accessible to you right here's here's the reality though sweetheart and i and i get it but having having done this for such a long time here's what i've learned do you remember the karate kid I swear to God, I'm going somewhere with this. Do you remember that movie? 
Well, I never saw it, but I, oh, you know. Oh, damn it. <laughs> All right, so uh, here's the thing. Basically, Ralph Macchio is getting his butt kicked every day by this bully jerk at school. And Mr. Miyagi, who is played by Pat Morita, I don't know why I felt the need to credit him here, <laughs> uh, basically is like, I'm going to teach you karate so you can defend yourself. And every day, Ralph Macchio goes over and he's like, Mr. Miyagi says, paint my fence. And Ralph Macchio spends all day painting the fence. And then the next day he comes over and he's like, wax my car. And he, Ralph Macchio goes over and he waxes the car. Anyway, this goes on for like a, a significant amount of days. The point that Ralph Macchio is pissed off. And he's like, all I've done is come over here and be our slave and clean your car and this and that and the other. And all of a sudden, Pat Morita starts attacking him physically. And he's like, you know, he shows him that like painting the fence and waxing the cars and all this crap are really techniques, martial arts techniques that he's learned that have become automatic, second nature. And what I'm, what I'm trying to say to you in a very poor, analogous kind of way is that all of these things that you've learned about eating healthy, they're mm-hmm. ingrained in you now because you understand the concept of calories. You understand the difference between crap food and non-crap food. You know that fried food is crap food. So no matter where you are, whether you're eating guinea pig, because you might run into that in South America, by the way, (laughs) you'll know that your guinea pig should not be fried guinea pig. So, I mean, I'm just telling you, kid, (laughs) you're going to know that, like, if there's a white meat part of the guinea pig, it's less calories. You're going to know that your guinea pig needs to be cooked in a grilled way or a baked way rather than a fried way or a sautéed way. And you're going to know that if there's greens to have with your guinea pig on the side versus fried potatoes, that's the way to go. Uh, I was in Peru. They eat guinea pig. I'm telling you, I lived it. I experienced the guinea pig. I'm trying to help, Janet. No, I know. Yeah. I'm just no, having a hard I, time. I am trying to help. Yeah, so I know. My, my point is that no matter where you are in the world, the knowledge that you have about diet and exercise and healthy living, you're going to apply to any culture and any civilization. You're going to know that if you're in the Peace Corps and you're getting up in the morning and you're going for a run or you are you bring your computer with you because I'm sure there's going to be power that you're able to. Uh, no, there I, might be. I, I hope there's power for you. Well, I mean, be, I've been, I had power in the African bush, so I'm hoping for you that you, you have power because there's probably a generator where you're, where you're going to be at. These yeah, camps tend yeah. to have generators, so you because they do need they do need computers. They need to be in touch with the outside right. world. So there's probably going to be a generator. Most likely, you'll have power most of the time. Pop in an exercise video, and you could do it on your computer. You know that for most of it, you, you know most of them don't require uh, any bring tubing with you. Most of them don't require. Mm-hmm. equipment and you'll find that like you know how to work out without a gym mm. squats lunges push-ups sit-ups mountain climbers butt kicks high knees jumping jacks jump rope i could go on and on and uh-huh. on and on with a tube you know you can do chest flies chest press bicep curls shoulder presses tricep extensions all of this stuff that you've learned is not gone once you're in a different environment and it doesn't Again, it doesn't need to take over your life. It's not meant to take over your life. Health is meant to enhance the quality of your life, not take over your life. So you know that when you're out there, sure, you just practice balance. If you worked out that day, you can have a bite of the, I won't say guinea pig, the the (laughs) potato dish or whatever it might be that they're serving or the rice dish or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
It's, it's about balance, and you'll apply the knowledge and the information you have to any situation that surrounds you, and that's what's so great about information is that with it, you can apply it to your scenario and make the most informed, powerful choice. That's what this is about. This is about you having faith in yourself and your knowledge to get through any situation safely and being able to take care of yourself. You're not relying on the crutch of civilization. It's not civilization or our civilization. It's not Western civilization that has helped you. In fact, I dare to challenge that it's Western civilization that has hurt you in the first place and that it's you who got yourself out of it and you who can control any situation coming up. All right. Make sense? Yeah. Now go save the world. <laughs> I will. I will sure try. Careful with that guinea pig. Yes, oh, I Kylie. Poor Kylie. I'm just saying. <laughs> Whatever. All right, yeah. buddy. Thank All you right. for calling. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Guinea pig. I, I. I. I lived it. I know. It's just. I. I, I understand that. It's just. I. Just I'm had this you. vision of you at a restaurant asking them if the guinea pig is grilled or sought. And just, I did. Tanya, how could you eat guinea? Did you really? Do you understand that when you travel to these kinds of locations, like when I was in Africa, I went over there and I was not eating meat, just seafood. And I still don't eat. I mean, I eat, again, I eat grass-fed beef like once a month, right? right? And I eat seafood. That's it. You go to Africa, there's no seafood. They don't They don't eat seafood. I mean, they, they eat like crocodile tail and antelope. I mean, there's no seafood. No, dude. There's no... Mm-mm, no. Not in Botswana. They don't... <laughs> and I, I mean, you. it's like... It's kind of like a... I definitely take on a little bit of a when in Rome kind of attitude. So, you know, that's... They eat meat as a side dish with their meat over there. I mean, and there's, there's a whole Afrikaans influence of, like, the the white Europeans that had come over and they, they eat... The food is like sausage. I can't even remember the name of it. They eat this blood sausage and all this gross meat stuff. They eat meat. Everybody, the Africans, the Afrikaans, they eat meat. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of meat. And, you know, you kind of get this win in Rome thing. In Peru, they eat guinea pig. I'm serious. Uh-huh. It's a big thing. And ceviche. Peru. I-, I guess if you're hungry, you're hungry. I mean, I don't know. It just... It's part of the culture, though. I kind of like, I definitely allow myself to, to give in a little bit to experience the culture. I did puke my crocodile tail back up into the Zambezi, though. I'll have you know. Not good. Did not enjoy the crocodile tail. <laughs> You're laughing. I'm not, I'm actually not kidding. Heidi was mortified. She's like, please, please don't throw up in front of all these nice people. And I was like, what? Everywhere. Just vomit city. <laughs> Yakaroo. Puke Adina. Gross. Anyway, what's All right. Next? All right. I, I think we have... No, you know what? we got to end the show. Oh! We do have to end the show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say we got time for another call, but we don't. we got to go. On, on the crocodile, on puking crocodile tail, it's time to go. Okay, bye! Peace! Did you see the sky?
listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny. And I love you. <laughs> <laughs>